weeks, I've been asking the question of, are we growing in Christ? Just based on the verse from 2 Peter 3, verse 18, where Peter encourages the believers and us to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when I ask the question, are you growing in Christ, I know that there can be different responses to that. There can be real joy because we We've either just come to the Lord and we're growing in Christ and everything's wonderful. Or there's a bit of guilt because we're not growing. Or there's disappointment, we've tried. Or there's that deep longing we desire to grow more and more. And I guess for me, all of those are mixed up together because sometimes every day seems different. But none of us questions the need to grow. So I looked a few weeks ago at the new vision of Jesus, having that sort of cosmic vision of Jesus. And then last week I looked at what it means to be in Christ. If you are in Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus, he is in you. He is with you wherever you go. At your lowest moment, when you feel isolated, abandoned, alone, we can say, the Lord is at my right hand, therefore I will not be shaken. And today I want to ask perhaps a hard question of, can pain and suffering deepen our faith? Can we grow through pain and suffering? If you're like me, your natural instinct is to avoid pain and suffering. My natural instinct is to think that to go forward in the Christian life is to avoid those things so that I can be undistracted to get on with the business of growing in Christ. I guess most of us see pain and suffering as an unwelcome intruder. I have to note that I understand that when we are in the midst of pain and suffering, it is hard to think at that moment. I wonder if this is deepening my faith. Whether it be when I remember I was on my hands and knees on the bathroom in excruciating pain with my gallbladder stuff going on, I wasn't thinking to myself, well, Philip, I wonder if this is going to deepen your faith. I was just praying, Lord, make it stop. So I understand that, but I'm looking at a longer view of things. But when pain or suffering crashes into our lives, we do immediately, I think, instinctively feel that we're losing something. Something has happened in the debit category. But when we read through the Gospels, we do hear something different. We are united with a Savior who knows all about pain and suffering. After all, we follow a crucified Savior. When we say that we want to be more like Jesus, what do we really mean? Jesus, who is described by Isaiah the prophet as a man of suffering and familiar with pain. He knows about loss. 
He knows about suffering. He knows about pain. He was himself betrayed, abandoned, brutalized, abused, crucified, put in a borrowed grave and left for dead. But we know that that wasn't the end. The reason that we're here now sitting in this school is that Jesus conquered the grave. Hallelujah, he's alive. Death has been defeated. Sin has been paid for. He rose victoriously. And the New Testament tells us again and again that the pain and suffering was a means, not an obstacle, to his achieving what he did for us. And so anguish and suffering and disappointments and struggles that afflict us can deepen us in our faith. Take us deeper into that grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 17, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, which is great. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Paul seems to say that we most deeply know Christ as we share in his sufferings. In Philippians 3 verse 10, he writes, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. And then the writer to the Hebrews talking about discipline, the Lord's discipline. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Pain and suffering can Deepen our faith. Again, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 18, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We all experience suffering or pain. Suffering is unavoidable, and sometimes its scope overwhelms. And if we are not experiencing some sort of suffering or pain at the moment, we know someone who is walking through that right now, and we're praying for them, aren't we? And if you have, up to now, lived a trouble-free life, it's not going to last. Sorry. Spoiler alert. It's part of the fallen human condition. It's true that we don't face, as believers here um, in Chipping Camden, the overt physical persecution as many of our brothers and sisters do that we've been focusing on in our prayers. It is true that many other parts of the world face all manner of diverse hardships and sufferings that we do not face, whether it be war or violence and persecution or famine or oppressive regimes or just the shortage 
of drinking water or electricity or food. But sometimes that note of relative circumstantial comfort, and we've all said this, there are worse people off than ourselves. I've heard it three times this week. Well, there's other people who are worse off than me. But, and I said, but no, this is your situation. This is your pain. This is your suffering. It doesn't minimize that. And no believer in Jesus, no matter where you live, is immune from pain or suffering. The painful experiences of bereavement, of sickness in mind or body, disappointments in life, betrayals, abuse, family crisis, broken relationships, a list of a hundred other things that I could say. Because for all of us who live between the first two chapters of the Bible and the last two, what I'm talking about is creation and new creation. There is that sense of loss the sense of longing that there must be more than this. There must be more than this. And we who know Jesus say with a resounding, yes, there is more than this. The whole of the Bible is working toward and pointing toward the time when Jesus will come again and make all things new. Paul writes in Romans, the whole creation groaning as in childbirth. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We are groaning inwardly. I am groaning inwardly for the Lord to come again, to put all things right. We recognize we live in a fallen world. We can go nowhere to escape the futility and sometimes the pain and suffering of this life. And this is true for everyone. It's a real downer this morning, isn't it? It's true for the believer and the unbeliever. We live in a modern secular culture that believes this life is all there is in the main that there is no God, no Savior, no heaven, no hell, no afterlife. And all that happens is to be found on this earth. And therefore, when you're dis- trying to discern the meaning of life or the goal of life, it comes down to being happy. That happiness is the meaning of life, if there is nothing more. And when suffering comes, it destroys that mindset. But for believers in Jesus who are in Christ, pain and suffering is different because we know and we feel more deeply that this is not the way that God made the world. This is not the way things should be. And, praise God, this is not the way things will be. I think we, as those who believe in Jesus, struggle with the question of suffering more than anyone who doesn't believe. Because we know God is good. We know that he is love. We know that he loves us. Suffering is the one question on the Alpha courses that comes up every single course. Normally on week one or week two. 
How can your God allow so much suffering in the world? Ironically, it's asked by those who profess that there is no God. That he doesn't exist. So always my response is, well, if there is no God, where does the pain and suffering come from? Who causes it? Where does it come from? But we who believe in Jesus live in the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. The Bible says we have been raised spiritually. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We are resurrected spiritually, but not yet bodily. But one day we will be raised bodily. We are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ, but my feet are firmly attached to the ground. And God speaks through it all and says, I work all things for the good. And of course, there are no easy answers to suffering and pain. We don't explain suffering and pain away with glib remarks. We sit with it. If you've encountered somebody who is going through pain and suffering, you sit with them. You weep with them. You do not come up with a list of ten points of how to explain what's happening in your life. We care and love one another. When life hurts and suffering comes, we immediately find ourselves at an internal fork in the road. Which way are we going to take? We ask ourselves, to whom are we going to turn? What are we going to do? And the options are there for us. We can withdraw from an open-heartedness with God because we are now disappointed with God because we thought that he would make everything okay and that we would not go through these things. And it's disrupted our vision of God. So we doubt his goodness. And we realize that maybe we didn't know him as well as we thought we knew him. Or we retreat into the safety of not allowing any more pain and suffering into our lives. We don't want to get hurt again. I heard this week of a Christian who did his PhD study in evil and suffering in Job. Wow. Yet when suffering came into his life, he didn't know how to handle it. Because he had so much head knowledge, but he had no heart knowledge. We can either smirk at what we once thought about God, of his sovereignty, of his goodness. God has obviously changed. Or we don't trust him anymore because of what we've gone through. Or we can press deeper and further into his heart of love, which has never, ever changed. And maybe it's in those times of pain and suffering that we discover what we really believe and who we're really trusting in. Because of in that internal fork in the road, we either have to go deeper or we walk away. Deeper 
or walk away. It might bring up other issues of forgiveness. But I want to pray that when we experience pain or suffering in our life, it might propel us into a deeper fellowship with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we will be more like him through that. When pain and suffering comes, we must fight that it doesn't allow our heart to dry up. And to know that he is in our pain because he is in you and you are in him. And let him work all things for good, even in our suffering. We don't have the timetable. That question, do we want to be more like Jesus? Jesus was a man who knew pain and suffering. And I believe that God loves us so much that he will not let us remain in the shallow end of our faith. It might seem safer there in the shallow end. You're just paddling around. It's lovely. But he wants you to go deeper. He wants you to know him more and more. And sometimes it is through the pain and suffering that comes that we realize that we are out of our depth and all we have is him. And there is something that happens in that that the Bible confirms again and again and again that he is with us in it and he is working all things for our good so there is a depth of joy and reality with God that nothing else can bring. I focus just for a bit on the wounds and suffering that sometimes come in and crowd us from outside, but there are other things. The suffering we inflict upon ourselves by our choices and our decisions, by our motives and actions, we've all messed up. Self-inflicted pain is a very difficult pain. Our failures, but the gospel invites us to come and be restored in him. No self-flagellation needed. What I mean by that is when I've watched some of the programs of people, you know, in a kind of religious sense, just beating themselves to punish themselves for their sins. There is no punishment needed because it's all been taken. When Jesus died on the cross, he was punished for our transgressions. But I guess we all know some sort of internal, you know, feeling that we need to punish ourselves when we've let God down. And Jesus says, no, I've paid it all. It's all done, paid in full. So we rely on the finished work of Jesus on the cross who liberates us from the accusing lies of the enemy. The whole Bible message is that we cannot add anything to Christ's work. And the best response in any situation is run to Jesus and fall on his grace. To fix our eyes on him and on nothing else. If we want to grow deeper, 
in our relationship with Jesus, we need to just keep looking at him through all the ups and downs of life, knowing that he will not let us go, that he has made it his purpose to love us into heaven, and he has done everything necessary. If you want a summer reading, cheerful reading, Tim Keller's book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, I would recommend. He says the truth. We all suffer. It's a fact of life. And in the Bible, suffering is described at times as a fiery furnace. And that biblical metaphor is a rich one. Fire is, of course, a well-known image for pain and torment, but it's also an image of refining and purifying. The Bible calls trials and troubles walking through fire. Listen to these words from Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah 43. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. And the flames will not set you ablaze. Peter picks up that theme in his first letter. Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And again in uh, his letter, he says, In all of this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. There is a remarkable view of suffering that can actually make us and our faith deeper and stronger. Rather than destroy us, which would be the goal of the enemy, it can refine us so that we know that God walks with us in the fire. One of my favorite stories in the Bible comes from Daniel chapter 3. If you've never read it, I encourage you to read it. Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, lived under Nebuchadnezzar, a tyrant of a king, who set up a, a golden statue and ordered everyone to worship it. And Daniel's three friends, faithful followers of God, refused to worship the idol and are thrown into a fiery furnace for their refusal. That fiery furnace was supposed to kill them, destroy them. Listen to their response. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. The but if not faith. We don't understand it all at times. And God is able to deliver us out of everything and move every mountain. But if not, we will not let go. What an incredible response. And if you read the story on, a mysterious figure appears beside them in the fiery furnace. From the vantage point of the New Testament, we know and believe it's Jesus. Jesus who faced his own fiery furnace of affliction on the cross. 
for us. So this raises the concept of God walking with us to a new level. He walks with us in everything. He truly is God with us. In love, in understanding, in anguish, and in suffering. He was the one who plunged himself into that fiery furnace of the cross for us. In Daniel, the three friends walked out, even unsinged, not even smelling of smoke. And so we come back to Jesus again and again, wanting to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to the one who is with us through all things. And this morning, some of us may be rejoicing. Life is wonderful and fantastic. Others, you're walking through the fiery furnace right now. There is pain and suffering. And I just want to encourage wherever we are on that spectrum this morning is just to come and worship Jesus once more and to give him whatever that is in our heart and ask for his grace once again to deepen our faith. That we may mature and grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together.